Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to another season of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I am so grateful for your continued listenership, or if you're a new listener, welcome. I am looking forward to sharing some new guests with you. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep this party going. Make sure you follow me on Instagram too at Sluts and Scholars because I'm going to be doing some fun giveaways to celebrate this new season that you do not want to miss. Before we get started, I wanted to share a little bit about an event I am co-hosting coming up called the Pleasure Connection Retreat, which is happening on October 14th and 15th in Malibu, California, and it's right across from the beach. This is my third time co-hosting this awesome retreat. Are you ready to make pleasure and connection a priority? Do you want to transform and elevate your sex life? The Pleasure Connection Retreat is an intimate opportunity for individuals and couples to enhance, explore, and build deeper connection with pleasure through educational teachings, somatic experiences, and interactive workshops. Go check out the Pleasure Connection dot eventbrite.com for more info and tickets. That's the pleasure connection dot eventbrite.com for more tickets. I am so excited to host this alongside internationally renowned yoga, meditation, and breathwork teacher and integrative behavioral therapist. She's just a multimodality healer, Lisa Ryder, aka Genius Loci. Uh, we wanted to create a safe container where learning and talking about sex is encouraged. And in our respective fields, we both see so many clients who are not having the kind of sex they want to be having and are unsure where to start. Um, We know it can be intimidating to attend an event to improve your sex life, but we really feel that pleasure is a human right, so we hope to see you there. You can check out all the info, past reviews, FAQs, and grab your tickets now at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. The link will be in the episode description. Uh, Lisa and I even did a little mini episode together called The Pleasure Connection if you want to hear firsthand what this retreat can do for you. We're even offering free 30-minute discovery calls. So start your pleasure path today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist, and I am excited to welcome Sam Sharman. Sam Sharman is a neo-digital artist, musician, mystic, event producer, and Web3 builder operating from a perspective of conscious embodiment. In her creative and entrepreneurial work, she explores the nexus of art, music, tech, spirituality, and evolution. 
In addition to performing, collaborating on art projects, and co-producing a monthly event in Los Angeles called Enchanted Loft, Sam is working on a year-long visual album called Rose Riot, which he will be launching in spring 2024. Sam is passionate about sovereignty and empowerment for all, and also she's a wonderful uh, photographer. We recently just did a really beautiful uh, nude photo session of me and would recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, babe. And you know what, what what I loved most about it too, is that like lots of people can take beautiful photos, um, but they're, especially if you're taking intimate type photos or boudoir type photos, like it's very vulnerable and there's a lot of feelings that can potentially come up. And so like Sam really took the time to talk with me and set intentions with me. And we did like some meditations together before and kind of incorporated that into the whole thing so that it could actually be like a healing body experience as opposed to just like, here's some photos, which is also nice, but you know, this was more, more than. Yes. Thank you, babe. I really do bring that, um, sacred container into everything I'm doing, um, whether it's art or writing or just being, you know, um, but especially for art, um, because I believe that art is like, um, how we materialize God on this planet. And so for me, it's like the most sacred labor. And so dropping in with people and setting intentions and clearing the energy is just so much a part of the process. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about sacred sexuality and, and this kind of embodiment through art. But in saying that, I'm curious how you define sacred sexuality. Ooh, lovely question. Um, so I would say that, um, I'm like, how far back do I want to go? As far back as you want, um, we got time. Okay, great. Yeah. So I would actually like take a step back. And for me, I would define, um, God, lots of people use lots of different words there, but I'm going to trust that we can all appreciate that. I'm just going to use that as a catch all phrase for that source energy. Um, so the way that I define God is actually, um, the energy that creates life. And for me, what I've identified through practice is that, um, orgasm and, um, that heightened sense of receptivity of pleasure, like that is the actual energy of God. And we merge back with God when we are in those states. Um, and someone put this beautifully to me once that when we ohm, we are not oming, we are joining the universal sound of the ohm, which is like the frequency and the sound of God. So for me, it's like when we orgasm, we are not orgasming, we're rejoining the orgasm, we're rejoining the source energy as it actually flows through us. Like collective um, conscience and- kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Or like the the source of all energy. Um, however, mm-hmm. we kind of like put names around that. Um, but just like the for me, what is um, um, like the the essence and the thing that runs through us all and the thing that perpetuates far beyond us um, and the thing that just takes many, many shapes and forms, but is really one thing. Um, and so when we're like in that true sacred orgasm, we're like, everything is turned on. Um, and we are, we are in that space actually occupying like the energy of creation. Uh, so sacred sexuality to me is practicing sexuality with the intention of like rejoining that space. Um, and the intention of like, there is, uh, you know, fuck all of the narratives of like shame on sexuality. That is our actual literal source of power. That like Um, pleasure and and pleasure and religion and God are separate things. 
Right. Yeah. And so tearing down those boundaries and recognizing that there are, there are no walls in those things, that it is actually um, one thing um, and that it's actually been very intentional to keep us out of our sexual pleasure because that is where we access those states, expanded states of consciousness and expanded states of power. Um, so at the forefront of, of the work that I'm doing, that is such a huge part of the conversation. What do you think has helped you actually like connect with that, as you call it, force energy? Because I and clients of mine have had orgasms where I'm like, that was all right. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't feel like connected to a, you know, not, not every time do I feel connected to something bigger and to have it feel that intensity that you're describing. Sometimes it's like, Oh, we're just like, (laughs) yeah, or, or or it's like, I just like, you know, cleaned out the oil, right? Like, it it doesn't always feel like that. So I wonder, like, how do you kind of differentiate these? Like, I don't want to make a hierarchy where like, if you're happy with where you're at pleasure wise, you don't need to reach this like existential sacred spirituality, sexuality. And if one wanted to, how did you kind of find that you could connect in this way and make your experiences um, more expansive. Totally. Um, and I love that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because it's not like even I, like even just this morning, I was like, I'm just going to squeeze a quick one out real fast. Cause I just need to really in, in preparation <laughs> for the podcast, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't like a, a huge ordeal. Right. Um, but, uh, so uh, first let me back up and say like how I got here. Um, and, I, my spiritual journey was one where I was very spiritual as a child and then lost that for a long time and identified as an atheist for a long time. Um, and then as I went through a series of like, um, basically like mental health breakdowns from working so hard and just like that really classic story of like overworking, burning yourself out until you like, I need to change my life. (laughs) Um, so I was hitting that place. Um, and at the same time I was starting to reopen to spirituality. So I wasn't terribly deep in it yet, but, um, I did open my mind up really quickly because I found that as I started to open more to it and started to do things like breath work and meditation and yoga, even though they were really hard for me at first, um, I saw immediate benefits in my life. Just like, you know, they just kept, it was clear to me that the correlation between A and B, you know, um, so that was happening. And then at the same time, um, I was going through huge breakups. I was like really asserting my, my poly identity. I was kind of in like a, you know, this monogamish relationship that was never really a two-sided experience. Um, and so I was like shedding old identities and coming into welcoming into my life, new sexual pleasures. And to me at this time, I hadn't really made the connection. I did conceptually to sacred sexuality, but it didn't really mean anything in terms of my experience. Because honestly, up until that point too, I had barely even ever had an orgasm until I was like 26. Um, like little tiny little experiences here and there, but I had so much trauma to clean out and work through um, that I didn't get there until much later in life. So like for me, sacred sexuality was much more conceptual than embodied at that point. Um, and then I met someone who was just a total, you know, not forever soulmate, but someone who comes in and if you're into like spiritual language, it'd be called a twin flame. Like someone comes in who's a soulmate and it's just like, the most passionate, intense karmic contract kind of relationship. It's so profound, but it like burns out um, and it can burn you out. Um, and so nonetheless, though, when we met, um, I had, we, we, the first time that we had sex, I had a cervical orgasm. Um, I had never even had like a real strong orgasm period, but then I had a cervical orgasm, which um, is just a different kind of, and there is no hierarchy, but it is a different kind of experience. And at that moment, I just like cracked through a layer of consciousness. And I was like, um, what I now know is astral projecting. But when then I had no idea, 
Um, and I was just like flying in space on a magic carpet, literally. <laughs> um, and I was just a ball of light. Um, and the other person who was with me was also a ball of light. And I stayed in I that mean, space har- hard not to create a hierarchy, but like, that sounds dope. <laughs> I want to ride yeah. on a magic carpet through the cosmos because of a deep internal orgasm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know? So I hit that place um, and it felt like forever as we were there. Um, and then I was just like, oh, like this is literal doorway to enlightenment. Like this is literally breaking through to like break down all of the barriers between uh, like how our ego self divides layers of consciousness and sees the universe. Like this is a literal door into that. Um, so then once I had that experience, then I started to make it a, a part of my practice. Um, and yeah, I went through years, even after that, I could still like not really orgasm on my own and all these experiences. So it's taken years of that was, you know, when I was like 26, I'm 32 now. Um, and it was just really in the last like year and a half, two years, but really the last year and a half. Um, that I've actually been able to come to the place where I can offer myself my own orgasms and I can have different kinds of orgasms and I can, um, yeah, just kind of like hit the spots that I desire to knowing that like pleasure is literally infinite. So if I'm not feeling pleasure when I want to feel pleasure, I can actually just like invite myself to like do the work to rewrite that and release that and just like tell myself, no, I do feel sensitivity there. I do feel pleasure there. And that takes a lot of like time and patience and yeah, I think I'm wondering a bit from the initial question. No, but that's I, but, I, but I love where you're going with it because I are there any sort of like tangible ways for folks who are maybe wanting to start or continue that practice? So like, let's say you're having that experience where you're like, I want to feel orgasmic. I want to feel pleasure. And you're not quite getting there. You're saying that there's kind of a practice that you do of almost, it sounds like manifesting of being like, I am feeling this. Um, how can people um, start to practice that? Totally. Um, I would say two things. Um, one would be, um, I have taken all of the pressure off of myself to have to feel pleasure. And so it's like, because then I was mad at myself for not feeling what I wanted to feel. And mm-hmm. instead, it's and then just that, like, that pressure doesn't feel sexy or enticing or helpful. Nope. Really uh, the opposite, right? Like it's really challenging then. Um, It's like uphill battle. So instead it's just like taking the pressure off of have to, and it's, I invite myself to, and I like, it took me like months of this practice to be able to like masturbate myself of like just touching myself without moving my hands and just like sending love and just like holding myself and, um, just like allowing any sensation to come up and like literally not moving my hands and just playing with like pressure, like really, really light because like I've never been touched that way as I realized, you know? So just Mm -hmm. like, just really soft and a lot of like time and patience was kind of like the first journey to just like resensitizing and feeling safe um, and feeling safe to do that. And then the other thing that is definitely like a huge part of this conversation for me is energy sex. Um, once I started to heal my body and also started to understand energies and chakras, um, I, I was able to feel, um, maybe not physical sensation sometimes, but I was like, Whoa, I can feel that energy. I can feel that energy tingling in my heart. I can feel that energy sending me like 
goosebumps down my spine. I can feel that energy um, in my womb. I can feel. And so I started to become more aware of energy moving through my body and how actually so incredibly pleasurable that is. And especially our physical body, our flesh and our muscles and our bones and things take longer to catch up to manifestation. The physical world takes longer to catch up to manifestation. You're pulling it through layers and layers of consciousness into this dimension. Um, but energy doesn't take that long, right? Like you can actually reprogram and believe that your energy is feeling different sensations much more quicker than your physical body. So I started to really learn how to lean into that and found so much pleasure to the point where, um, well, now, I mean, I can just give myself energy orgasms within seconds of breath and intention, and I can give myself rolling orgasms and long orgasms and deep orgasms and, and like just by learning how to work with that energy. Um, so I think energetic sensitizing is something that can really help people find pleasure, period. It doesn't have to be physical pleasure. And then also just that time and patience of, um, you know, touching yourself in like soft and safe and slow ways. How does a, for you, how does an energetic orgasm feel different than a, um, genital physical orgasm? Yeah. So, um, it's, I first would describe it as electric. It feels like electricity coursing through your whole body. Um, and that's the other key difference too, is whole body, mm-hmm. um, and, or sending it where you want it more. Like, um, sometimes like my partner and I will just practice like having heart orgasms and it's like your whole chest, like your whole just feels so tingly. And it just can like, just honestly, pleasure is also, one of the the most descriptive words I know that can be vague because we feel pleasure in, in, in genital orgasms and in any other kind of orgasms, but it is still like that current of pleasure, um, that current of just like, <laughs> um, just living. And so, yeah, and it feels like it's happening under your skin. Um, and sometimes like if you work with it, you can like get it to expand outside of your body and like expand and feel your whole aura and you can just like, yeah, fill it up. You also mentioned patience and that you were working at that for years, months. Um, what helped you stay motivated to keep working at it? Because this is something that I struggle with or work with with clients is like when you're not seeing quote unquote results and you know you might be seeing results, but sometimes we minimize those small little steps, um, which I think is important when we highlight those little things. But if you're not seeing the quote unquote results, I see that it's really hard for people to want to keep going because they're like, why am I putting in this work when quote unquote, nothing's happening? Even if that's not totally true, what helped you feel like there was, it was still worth working towards something and having that patience. Cause that is a skill. Yeah. I mean, two things, one, um, reprogramming my brain for the focus to be on I'm so proud of myself for not giving up. I'm so proud of myself for sitting here for 20 minutes so uncomfortably and doing it. I'm so proud of my, like, re, for, like I need positive encouragement. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have to reprogram to give myself that. Um, and it's like, we all know that the growth happens in the discomfort zones. We know that that for the physical body, right? We don't build muscles unless we're uncomfortably building the muscles. We know that to be true of, we can just apply that across the board, right? And so I know that if I'm doing something that's making me like uncomfortable, but I know it's in alignment with what I believe to be getting me to where I want to be, the desire of where I want to be, if this action is in alignment with that, I can just send all this love and pride into that. 
And sometimes like, it's still a struggle. Like sometimes I'll want to do, I'll say, I want to do breath work five days a week. And I ended up, end up doing it two days a week. And instead, again, it's that reprogramming instead of me seeing that, like, um, well, you fucked up again, Sam. It's like, oh my God, I did it twice this week. And this time last year, I wasn't even doing that, you know? So like just really leaning into being proud of myself as I'm working. Yeah. And then I know you said that's not like results-based, but I do have like, I don't know, maybe it's just like, I am like, I really do see life very positively. Naturally, that's just kind of my state. I do like, I can always see, even if I feel like it's in the really distant future, I can always see like, wow, Sam 10 years from now is having crazy, amazing orgasms. And it's just like going fucking, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I can feel that and I can feel her energy. And I'm going to just start to merge with that and trust that because it's so worth the journey. Um, So just like, even if it takes, you know, like you taking a whole lens out perspective of um, just like really trusting that you're going to get there. And then we talked a little bit about manifestation. This is a huge practice for me. Um, And I think one of the strongest, uh, like the most effective practices um, that one can do for manifestation is like, so imagining that and then filling up on the emotional energy of it. It's like, oh, it feels so good to be able to orgasm whenever I want. It feels so good to be able to give myself my own orgasms. It just feels so good to do that. And then just like, oh man, that feels, and then you're, you're occupying that vibration. And so eventually, no matter how long it takes, whatever the circumstances, eventually those realities will merge. Don't skip this part because there are awesome discounts and deals for you to support your health and pleasure. And remember, the more you support the generous advertisers, the more you support the show. This episode is sponsored in part by my friends at Dipsy. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an audio app full of hundreds of short, sexy stories designed by women. I used to be a TV show binge watcher, and now I have moved to sexy audio content. It feels so fun and naughty sometimes to just be listening to my Dipsy stories when I'm out and about, because with Dipsy, you can just put on your headphones and do it anywhere. Also, when I'm getting ready for bed, I need something playing so that my brain can calm down and wind down. Luckily, Dipsy also has soothing sleep stories and wellness sessions. So whether you need to turn up or turn down, Dipsy has something for you. For listeners of the shows, Dipsy is generously offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S&S dipsystories.com slash S and S. And when you get ravenously hungry for some reason after a Dipsy binge, check out our sponsors, Green Chef. Go to greenchef.com slash 60 scholars and use code 60 scholars to get 60% off plus free shipping. I am so grateful to Green Chef. And remember, the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Uh, They make eating well easy with plans to fit all sorts of lifestyles, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef really offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. 
I recently found out that I had to take gluten out of my diet, which was a huge bummer. And I thought that my meals would be sad and boring, but Green Chef has made it easy and tasty. So if you're also worried about health issues, Green Chef is really cool because every customer gets a free session with their registered dietitians who can walk you through how to make clean eating work for you. Also, if you're busy like me and don't have a lot of time to meal prep on your own, Green Chef can help. They have convenient step-by-step recipes, including dinners that are ready in 25 minutes or less, 10-minute lunches, grab-and-go lunches, and these green bundles, which feature uh, clean snacks and functional beverages. Um, So you can also cut down on meal prep and pre-portioned and prepped ingredients because they have everything delivered right to your door. Just go to greenchef.com slash 60 scholars and use code 60 scholars. That's six zero scholars to get 60% off plus free shipping. Greenchef.com slash 60 scholars. Use code 60 scholars and you can get 60% off plus free shipping on your Green Chef order. Now back to the episode. I wonder how to make this accessible for all folks because, and and I have to admit that it's like come up for me and even still sometimes now, but like when I first saw people doing kind of like energetic orgasm work, or when I hear people who are kind of embodied in the way that you are talk, I'm sort of like, there's been times where it feels inaccessible. I'm like, I'm not really someone who uses the word vibrations or I'm not really, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think there are folks who resist this, who feel like it's fake news or who are just kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, they're off put by this, like, woo, woo, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I have felt that in my past experience when I first was like introduced to this stuff and I want to make it accessible to like all people. And that doesn't mean that like all people are going to, um, connect with this. Like this is just one person's approach, you know, for, for your pleasure potential. Um, so this doesn't have to be the way for everyone, but like, how do we make it accessible for people who are, who feel resistant to like energy, to vibration, to stuff like that? Like, you know what I mean? Totally. Um, I guess I'm going to start. Apparently I always have two things to say. Um, so (laughs) I always have 10 things to say. So, (laughs) um, so first I would actually start by holding up a mirror and like, you're using the word resistance and we're talking about discomfort and growth Mm -hmm. and you see people at least, uh, you know, obviously if there's some kind of draw there of like, these people are doing something that I want to do, Um, there's something there for you. And if you're having your own resistances to that, and we know that the discomfort works through working our resistances, then I actually put a lot of the ball back in the court of accountability. It's like, well, what it sounds like it makes you uncomfortable. So I, I would invite you to go into that. You know, like I would invite you to sit with why that might make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it possibly that we've been so culturally programmed that like our language around spirituality in this culture is so vapid and shallow and repressed that we don't know how to access those places in ourselves? Mm -hmm. Um, Could it be that um, we don't want to be called crazy or weird? That's a huge one, right? Um, Could it be that we think our friends are going to judge us? Could it be that we think that maybe we're not worthy of feeling that, um, Mm -hmm. that sensation, that, that embodiment, um, can we feel that like that judgment that we're having for that other person is actually our deep desire to occupy what we see them occupying? Well, and then, Um, and then I think there might, for some people, at least this was it for me, like comparison of like, what if I'm not able to do that? Totally. Yeah. And And, so I think people won't do it if they're like, oh, well, you know, it's not really possible or, you know, it. Uh, the sex I'm having is like good enough. And and I think that can come from a place of like, I don't want to do the work or what if it's not possible? What if I can't do it? 
Totally. And that's why I like to share my story really openly and say that like I was I was sexually traumatized as a child. I was raped as an adult and I had no sexual sensitivity for most of my life. Um, and in fact, the only thing I ever felt because I had an insanely high sex drive, um, but I couldn't express that pleasure. So it was like when I finally did start orgasming, I was literally emptying out like years of orgasmic repression in my body, years of sexual energy that didn't get to move. Um, and so let me start from a place of relating from I never, there was a long period in my life where I never thought that I would orgasm. I didn't understand what people were talking about. I didn't understand how that energy was even trapped in my body or that even the fact that I wasn't able to feel pleasure came from trauma. I had no idea. I just thought that my body was broken, right? So starting from a place of like complete empathy, um, I feel you. Um, and I didn't believe that that, I didn't even know though. I wasn't even like into the world uh, or like seeing that, that until I started experiencing that. So I didn't even know that this stuff was a possibility. Um, but even if I had, I'm sure I would have like shot it out as something that I wasn't capable of. Um, but again, deep down, it came from the place of, but that's what I want. You know, I want orgasmic pleasure. I want to release this energy. I want to move this energy. Are there any, uh, tools or suggested resources, um, that were helpful for you where people like, if they're listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm desensitized. Like I want that. Um, yeah. Anywhere you'd encourage Absolutely. people to start reading wise, watching wise, breath wise. Yeah. Um, well, you named one of them. And I actually had so much resistance to breath work for so long, so much resistance. Like I was years into my spiritual practice before I actually started doing breath work. But then I realized deep down, my body was resisting that because it was going to be what I didn't know. It was going to be the most powerful. And I was going to have to move a lot of energy that feels really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like, I, I think another piece of, um, not necessarily advice, but like, um, information that I would give as well as like, um, I guess just like be prepared to like feel it, like be prepared to break down, be prepared to let it open and out. Um, because well, and I think you... that's why a lot of people are resisting, right? Because their unconscious is like, oh, it's not safe to do that. So it's not letting them go through that. Totally, totally. And then that's when, you know, we go back to then when I did finally get into breath work, it was like, okay, you can't put this off any longer, like do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I started to break those layers. So I would say that like breath work was one of the most and continues to be one of the most powerful tools because it allows the, and you, you literally raise your vibration, um, your energy inside of your body moves faster. Um, and you can, even without trying, even without like setting intention or doing any other kind of like magic or meditation, even without trying, if you just breathe really, really fast for a really long time, you are going to release shit. Um, and you don't even have to necessarily process it emotionally. You can just energetically let it go. It happens whether you want it to or not, honestly. Um, and so I, I highly recommend breathwork. Kundalini is the most effective in terms of like starting to work with your sexual energy. Um, I would also say there was something about like advice and tools for maybe starting to feel the energy or like how to work with the energy literally. And it's like, also when you do breath work, you get all these sensations in your body. Right. And then you can, that's like your doorway to step into like feeling energy in your body. Um, so when you're doing Kundalini energy, you can start to direct it, um, and feel it up your spine. And that's going to like, cleanse those pathways for pleasure to move. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also meditation. And I, I know again, this one is like, 
um, can be really uncomfortable at the beginning. It was for me for a long time. I did not identify as someone who could meditate. Um, but if you are pushing through, um, cause all it is, is just like lack of inability to sit with ourselves, even in our noisy selves. Um, if we can just start to through practice, break through that, like, you know, it, it does allow you to reach those places in your body that contain the clarity and contain the tools for healing to be able to listen to your own heart of what your own body needs to heal. Because even though we can all use similar tools and practices, everyone's healing looks different. So you've got to learn to listen to your own heart. Um, and that happens through stillness. Our, our, our heart it kind of like whispers to us. Um, our brain yells at us. Our heart is down here whispering and we have to clear it to be able to listen. Mm. So how did this become? I mean, when you describe it, it already sounds like an art. And so I'm wondering mm. like, what made you kind of decide to infuse this into your art? I mean, I imagine they're not even separate, but I'd love to hear how this um, sacred sexuality has impacted the art that you make. Totally. Um, so honestly, I would say like, I didn't even decide, like, it just is what it is. It's like, um, I don't, um, sometimes I give myself like a topic to create around, but more often than not, it's just being an artist is clearing the space. And similarly, it's listening to your heart. It's listening to inspiration. It's listening to the muse. It's just like being a clear channel. And so it's just like letting it pour through me and it just so happens that most of my art is some sacred sexy shit <laughs> but that's just what comes from me you know um that said like because i am so passionate about the topic i definitely work with it consciously um and especially when it comes to like visuals like photography and the, the music videos that i'm making for the album it's like a very loud declaration of of sacred sexuality through my embodiment and representation of it yeah, I mean, we I've used this word on the podcast before, but in case people are tuning in for the, for the first time, um, when you say embodiment, what do you mean? Mm, love that. Um, so I would kind of uh, point us to two different um, spiritual lineages, um, one being yoga and one being tantra, both amazing, incredible practices. Um, they just conceptualize a little bit differently. So yoga, your um, goal is enlightenment. Um, it's almost like your spirit um, coming out of the body and being like, oh, I have reconnected with the one source thing. Um, and like your goal is to kind of like go up and go up through the crown chakra. Um, and embodiment and in Tantra, it's like, actually, no, we come down in and here at the root chakra, this is the expression of divine. Um, so like we are divine. It's in our bodies. That's not something that we need to go out of to find. It's something that's actually in ourselves, in our DNA, inside of us. Um, and so it's all about the practice of like merging the divine and the physical self. And so it's like embodying the divine instead of like enlightening to the divine. Mm. So for you in your art, when you're saying embodiment, you're saying like you're feeling connected to that kind of like source that you were describing before. Yeah, like being it. Um, we are all it. Um, and so it's just like the owner and and the 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 ownership and recognition and honoring of like every single human being contain every all life, um, holding the same essence, holding the same source. Um, and like you know, in, in yoga, you know, you bow to the light and the other person at the end of class, you know, the light in me recognizes the light in you. Um, and so it's just like, 
seeing that um, in ourselves and in everyone and having that be no small deal. <laughs> like we are actually so powerful, so creative, so imaginative. All of us are so beautiful. We have such unique gifts and offerings and talents and, and ideas. Um, and when we're in our full expression and we're able to offer that to the world, that's the shit, <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like seeing and recognizing that in ourselves and in everyone else and like really honoring that and like bowing to that. Like that's an amazing thing. Um, yeah. How have you seen the art be transformative for you in your healing journey? Like as you're making it and, and for folks who don't know, maybe t- tell us a little bit about the kind of art that you make. Absolutely. So I'll start with music because I feel like I came out of the womb singing. Um, I've just always been writing poetry, writing lyrics, um, singing songs. I mean, like from, you know, chorus at four years old to forever. Like I've just loved singing. And most fundamentally, um, nothing heals us like our own voice. When we sing, we are like literally translating our whole essence into a sound. Um, and that is healing for our own body and it's healing for other people. Mm. Um, and so just the pure act of singing, I would say as just like number one. Um, and then I, I have been a poet forever. Like I literally remember, I don't know, I must've been like seven or something. And I just like wrote my mom, this poem. I was from Arizona, by the way, I'd never even been in snow. And I wrote her this poem about like a glistening snowy day. And <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, mom, I brought you another poem. Um, and she would give me an audience and give me her full attention. And I would always read her my poetry. Um, and that was just like, you know, my mom and I both knew it then that it was just like singing and poetry were just like, just everything in me is so deep in my soul. There's nothing that makes me happier. There's nothing. I just wrote this art post on this actually recently on there's nothing that fills me and empties me and recreates me every day, uh, than writing music and singing. So that is definitely my core. And, uh, and then I also am a visual artist and I started with photography. I always had a camera, always loved taking portraits specifically and also self portraits before I even knew that that was like, before we were doing selfies, right? Like I was doing self portraits and, and, and like always loved that art and didn't know that there was like weirdness in our culture around it until a little bit later. And then I was like, no, fuck you. Like, this is actually like us being the subject and the object and the creator, like, and what is being created. Like, this is a fucking epic art form. Um, but I do think there's a big difference between self-portrait and selfie. I feel like selfie is often like in this like performative thing versus self-portrait. I'd like to think of it as like really trying to like capture your yourself in a way that feels more authentic when when i feel like when i think of a selfie i think of like me and my food you know yeah fair for the gram um, for the gram yeah sure i mean i totally hear that perspective um and there's a lot of validity in a lot of people's experience with that um i actually i started this hashtag hashtag called selfie portrait um and it was kind of like um i think that especially women um, have been shamed for a long time for this kind of thing. And mm. it's like, you know, that um, <laughs> there's like some really, someone put it really well, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here where it's like, women have been the subject of the male gaze and male art um, and mm. praised for that for a very long time. But the minute that this woman like has a technology to flip the camera around and make art with her own damn self, it's like, mm. oh, she's shallow. Oh, she just trying to play for the socials and she da 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 da. And yeah. sure, sometimes that's true because we are, we are 
processing this fucked up culture and this is one of the ways that we I guess are, that that's you know, more of what I meant it, like but... when you're taking the photo are you feeling connected to you and you're like feeling yourself or is it just like a reproduction right. of the male gaze I guess right right oh yeah I feel that um but I feel like people kind of have to explore that you know yeah. explore that for themselves and hopefully and that's why I do the work I do is like bringing bringing the presence to the lens is really mm. the only difference mm-hmm. um because I could be like taking taking a selfie portrait of me looking sexy about to eat my food. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And I'm like, this is art, bitch. You know, yeah. like this is myself. <laughs> I brought my presence to that lens and I'm giving it to you, starving up here. Yeah. Um, and that's art, you know? So it's like, it really is our intention. And yeah, yeah oftentimes intention. we're lacking intention, you know, but, but that's yeah. why, you know, just helping people be aware of that and bringing intention is like, I think the key as opposed to like not taking selfies, it's more like, yeah, let's, let's just like serve it and be present and like really capture yourself for yourself on that. Yeah. So you've got the music, you've got the poetry, you've got the photography portrait, you've got the digital art. Yeah. So then once I have my, um, uh, photographs, uh, I just create this like whole surrealist, uh, trippy, psychedelic, cosmic, beautiful world. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love it. I like seriously have been same thing, like importing my photos into digital programs since I was probably in like seventh grade or something and just like painting on them or fucking with them or whatever. And now with today's technology, there's so many cool ways that we can just like bring these to life. And I think as an artist too, having an understanding of the way color resonates in the body going back to my language, the vibrations and the energy it holds, how it can um, move and and help you heal. Um, And so like bringing these rotating colors to a photograph and helping bring movement, which can also release energy and helping use symbology on the body or around the body to help like magnify that person's unique essence. Um, Those are all things that I love. (laughs) So what can folks expect from the Rose Riot uh, coming up? Yes. Oh my goddess. So this is, I use the term visual album and the poet in me just had to combine two words, visual album. Um, so that means that every song and poem in the, in the collection has a music video. Um, some of them are pretty classic music videos when you think of that word and others are my artwork, um, and or collaborative artwork that I'm working on with other amazing artists, um, to create some like psychedelic trippy, amazing music videos. Uh, and so this also, I'm in the world of web three and I'll just put like a big umbrella term for now. So we don't have to go into that rabbit hole unless you want to, but, um, it's the world of NFTs and blockchain technology and all those, those words of that nature. Oh yeah. This um, is when I start to glaze over. Cause I'm like, what is that? What is I like, I go totally blank. <laughs> we can talk about that as much or as little as you want. I'm a geek about it, but we don't need to in order to talk about the album. Um, but so I'm I'm noticing resistance. I wonder what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, I get resistance when it's something I don't know about. And I feel like Mm. I can't ask questions or speak about it because I'm like, I don't know. And then the other resistance too, is like wanting to learn more technology stuff where there's a part of me that's like, no more, no more apps, no more internet. Totally. I feel you. I, I have so much understanding and empathy for those perspectives. And I'm never trying to sell anyone on anything. Um, I do say... Except your album. You should buy it. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's like, 
Uh, well, I don't know. No, I won't even open up that can of worms unless yeah. we want to circle back around to it. <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. But so one of the reasons why I am an NFT artist is because the packages that you can deliver to people are so much more dynamic um, and allow mm. you to do more creative, imaginative things. So like just yeah. as an artist, it always, from the get-go, I saw the potential of like, I'm a digital artist that makes music. Like I do stuff outside of the box. This looks like something that could support me here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, before I would also say like before the world of NFTs, digital artists like weren't really considered fine artists. Like there wasn't a lot of space for us. I could barely sell my digital artwork for like $60 a pop a few years ago. Um, And now it's created a landscape where it's like, no, this is actually fine art. I'm putting a fucking price tag on this. Um, there are only 10 copies in the world and they are verified. Um, and I get royalties on all the sales. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? So there's like a lot there for, for artists. But anyway, you can do these complex packages. So this album, um, which by the way, the full visual album drops next spring, March of 2024. This is a year-long project, very intentionally, um, because the album is broken up by the seasons. It's like each chapter. And it's about how each season holds energies, metaphysical qualities, as well as physical qualities. And when we um, are attuned to them and working with them instead of against them, mm-hmm. it can help us in our own path to healing and embodiment. Yeah. Um, and so it's being released next spring. But until then, we're dropping like a bunch of little drops here and there, um, mm-hmm. just like tasty bites. Um, so that's what I just dropped was the first tasty bite. <laughs> um, yeah. And so this one has three songs, three music videos. Uh, it has the live studio recording um, that we did at a really cool recording studio in LA, a video of that. It has artwork, um, the kind of artwork that I was just talking about, where it's like my psychedelic neo-digital artwork, as well as photography, behind the scenes footage, and lyrics. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can give all of that to someone in like a tasty little package. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we continue, we're just going to keep getting like more complex and tastier. Like we're going to do vinyl prints, limited edition vinyls. Um, some of them will have, uh, tickets to shows here in Los Angeles of live performances of the album. Um, so there's just like all these different ways to engage your audience. Oh, one of the most exciting ways that actually we're working on is, um, for one of the drops, we're going to include stems to one of the songs so that DJs and musicians can remix them. Um, and then we can like work together to publish the, what they ever, they, they remix and then we can like put it in the next drop. Um, so mm. just like finding ways where we can get together and play and like use our imagination and create really fun and get like, for me, there's like nothing more satisfying and yummy than like engaging in art in this way. It's what I love to do. And I think that a lot of people either already also really love to do that. Yeah. Or they don't really know that it exists or like that it can exist or that they are like, would we even want to put their time in there? Mm-hmm. But I think I can convince them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, I know you also have some other fun things coming up. So you mentioned Enchanted Loft before we wrap up. Um, tell people what that is and um, why they might want to come check it out. Absolutely. So, um, my, one of my best friends, uh, her DJ name is the frizz. She's an amazing musician and DJ. And, um, we started producing a monthly event in town called the enchanted loft. Uh, it is uh, the daytime portion is like real OG ceremony. (laughs) I say real OG ceremony because it's really original. (laughs) Like we don't do your mama's breathwork session. Like, um, you know, we had, 
last week we had, or last week, last month we had hip hop yoga. And the month before that we had sensual breath and beats. And we had like a live DJ while we were working to like release sensual energy. Um, and so we have like really cool stuff in the afternoon. Um, this month on September 23rd, actually, we're going to have our first, um, open deck so people can come and spin their own tracks, um, Mm -hmm. and be a DJ for a while. And we're going to have our first clothing swap because Mm -hmm. it's fall and it's a transition and we all want to straight clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in the evening, we just have a great lineup of incredible music, um, incredible artwork. We curate an art show each time. We have awesome, unique vendors with really, really cool stuff. Um, we have amazing, healthy food. Um, and just vibes is in this beautiful loft downtown, gorgeous skyline and a super cute place. Um, yeah, it's good times. And I don't always perform at them. Um, but at this next one on September 23rd, I will be dropping new music and a music video and doing a full live set. So well, you don't want to miss that. Um, how can people find this, get in touch, uh, follow your art and follow you? Absolutely. Um, so I'll just make a quick note that my primary Instagram account just got deleted uh, last no, month. Because, and we didn't because even of talk sacred about sexuality. <sighs> I know. I know. But. I think you can just assume that you're if you're on my podcast that your Instagram has probably been deleted at some point. So where can people that. find you now? And in case yeah. that gets taken down, where can they find you? Yeah, exactly. Um, so firstly, my link tree has all of my links in it, which is just link tree slash the Sam Sharman, the Sam Sharman. All right. It'll um, be in my, the episode notes. Yeah. And then my Instagram is the Sam Sharman art. My TikTok is the Sham Sharman music. And my Twitter is just the Sam Sharman. Amazing. Oh, I'm sorry about your Instagram. We out here. You know you're doing the good work when it happens. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, listeners, again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review and check out the advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Sam, thank you so much. Thank you, Nicoletta. It was a pleasure. Sluts and Scholars a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.